As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am I am joined by my suddenly West Coast friend, Big Jed, Jared Pennington, my co-host, my partner in crime. Big Jed is in Alabama. I am in a motorhome at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Jed, talk to me about the get-up. I assume we are representing our left coast friends. I mean, uh, these guys uh, dominated the show in Vegas, and, um, you know, time to sing their praises, bro. I mean, <laughs> West Coast, baby. West Coast. <laughs> it was a, it was a, a, the performance by the West Coasters was rad. I mean, it really was. <laughs> this is a special, it was gnarly. It was gnarly. It was gnarly. It was definitely nice. Special Freaking treat. gnarly. Special treat for our live video audience here. Big Jed, flat bill yeah. cap, throw in the W. Yeah, baby. Rad. Yes, sir. Totally rad. All West Coast all the time, baby. We are here to discuss Andy Schmall's dominance. We are here to discuss all things fling. Before we do, short of West Coast domination, Big Jed. What's caught your eye? What's new in your world? Oh, not a whole lot, Luke. I mean, I was uh, I was glued to the Bang Chef live feed from basically Wednesday until Saturday night. Uh, amazing coverage of an amazing event. Looked like you guys had a great time. Uh, myself back here, just sick about not being there. Really, that's uh, that's the only thing that that I had going on the whole several days of the event just wishing i was there it looked like a freaking gnarly time 
It was. It was rad. It was totally rad. Um, it was a marathon. It was. This place was jam packed. Nearly seven hundred entries. Um, but yeah, it was. It was what you would expect out of a fling event, top to bottom. Uh, first class show. A lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I guess um, a bit surprising, like on the uh, on the on the West Coast front, at least to me. But at the same time, like we didn't pick the winner. We didn't pick Andy Small. We probably should have. <laughs> He's knocked on yeah. the door here a bunch. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess let's, I, why not jump right in? I think that's the, the logical place to start, Big Judge, Andy Small. Uh, Andy wins the million, uh, a year removed from advancing to the semifinals, which I believe, I, I, I meant to do some research on this. I believe he'd been in the semis here once before. There's been eight of these. Andy Small's yeah. been to four cars or better three times. That in and of itself is impressive. Winning the Spring Fling Million, obviously uh, a, a crown jewel, a huge feather in his hat. But I'll say, Jed, like he's had some impressive performances in, to date, specifically at this event. Uh, the way that he went about winning this one, I think, is probably as noteworthy as the victory itself. Yeah, very impressive performance. And, and you know, I've seen some scuttlebutt online about whether he was top or bottom, this was his top bulb entry. Uh, he was letting go on the top, um, but capable of doing it either way, top or bottom. And he has knocked on that door very hard off the bottom bulb in previous years. So uh, Andy now with the, with the double policy, uh, taking his shot with one on the bottom, one on the top. And obviously it worked out very well for him, but you know, just a crafty, crafty guy, Luke. And I know we'll talk about some of his strategy here coming up, but um, uh, it's not only to to go out and use that strategy and, and make it work for you, but to have the guts to do it is, is very, very impressive. I mean, the guy doesn't seem to care if he's getting chased by a car a second faster than him or chasing one two seconds slower he he seems to be able to use all strategies very very talented dude and uh, and happy to see him get it done definitely an epic performance from andy small and i think highlighted by a i don't have any better way to say it big jet a ballsy and impressive final round performance we'll get to that Let, let's work our way up to it so at uh, at round six which was the the split round of the big show of the million we had jeremy bargo charlie lockhart andy schmall danny angel zach fulcher on the door car side and then on the dragster side bart nelson myself nathan martin mark kidd blake johnson Corey galitti your boy alabama boy kc pesnell who was doubled the round prior to this i believe sean langdon kyle coltrera mikey bloomfield jr and chris whitfield if that's not a who's who of our sport i don't know what is luke i mean when you look around and you were in that crowd obviously uh carrying as much respect as anyone else in the crowd when you look around that's like there's no you know, every once in a while, you'll get deep in a race and, and think, you know, I, I, there's, a, there's a good draw for me, somebody that fits my driving style, somebody that fits the ET that I'm going to be dialed, whatever. You couldn't look at this list and say, yeah, that's the one I want or the one that fits me best because these guys don't fit anyone. This was a nasty, nasty crowd. No, it was actually, it was, um, it was Chris Whitfield's father that I thought put this best. 
um, because he said something to the effect of, I don't know if it was this round or maybe a, a round or two later, he said, uh, well, at this point, no matter who you run is having the best day of their life, it's not a good draw, right? <laughs> and to, to that, yeah, point, good point. that point aside, you've got a who's who, like, there's, it's just basically the group of names that you would expect to see or, or some version of it. And uh, so obviously this lived up to potential. As we advanced into the, the quarterfinal round, Cal Cotrera knocks off Chris Whitfield by four thousandths of a second. That earns Coltrera the semifinal bye run because everyone else remaining in competition had already had a bye. So we know Coltrera is going to the final. Brian Cerruti, Big Jed, you didn't call out Brian Cerruti, but you said that the winner of the Spring Fling Million was going to come off the bottom. Cerruti almost made you look like Nostradamus. Nostradamus, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Brian Cerruti knocks off Blake Johnson. Another two, so the two Colorado runners fall in the quarterfinals, Whitfield and Johnson. Cerruti advances now to the round of three. Andy Schmall takes his by run at five cars, coming off a 001 light the round prior. I guess uh, watching from the live feed, Jed, was there anything that stood out to you in this round or the rounds leading up to it before we talk about the semi and the final? Uh, not really, Luke. Um, the rounds seem to be just a tick quicker than they have been in the past. Uh, you were there. You were in the middle of the discussions, and they, I don't know, maybe maybe it was me, but they seem to flow. The rounds seem to flow a little better than than they have in years past, and that was just quite the opposite of what I expected uh, with, obviously, an increased purse larger numbers to discuss. Uh, I'm guessing that you guys, whatever discussions were had were fairly simple and you move forward. But uh, that was that was really the only thing for me is that it just seemed to have a little better flow. Definitely um, leading up to the split round, I felt like there was an emphasis from the Fling staff and the, um, the LVMS staff both to keep cars going down the racetrack. It was cooler than normal. I think that the emphasis was to keep heat in the track. There was very little downtime between rounds. Obviously they provided time to have the necessary discussion, but that discussion didn't, it went really quickly. Like uh, Pete came in with a, a couple of options, made it very simple for everyone involved at that point. That was round six. Um, the agreement was very quick and the purse was set in such a way that I don't believe, obviously, I didn't last much longer than that personally, but I, I, didn't, I didn't think there was any reason to revisit it prior to the final. I don't believe there was any renegotiation beyond that point. So, yeah, like all, when you put all of that together, uh, it was pretty seamless, pretty smooth, and it, and it made for as, as rapid a finish to an event like that as you can have. Out from start to finish, like I don't think Andy Schmall really got to enjoy the, the spoils of victory as much the night of. Like I don't think, I, I believe his Facebook post said he didn't even get to the suite because it was late and he's in pro the next morning and it's $100,000 to win pro. It's one thing if it was a, a 20 grand or something, not that that's not a lot of money, but after you just won the million, it'd be easy to throw that away. You don't really want to throw away your shot at hundred grand. So I think just the lateness of it um, took away a little bit of that shine, but I don't, that wasn't because it was a slow show. That was because there was nearly 400 entries. Yeah, obviously a much bigger crowd than, uh, than they've dealt with. And, um, you know, obviously that with the, the Brodick's run for the 50K in front of it, that stretches that out, which stretches the 
event itself or that day out. And it, uh, you know, it got a little after midnight, I guess, out there local time before Andy turned on that final wind light. And certainly that does uh, take a little bit of the luster off of it when you know you got to be back out at 8, 39 o'clock. And you got to get warmed up and all that for the next day. And you still have two shots at 100K. So um, certainly good for him. You know, I, I hate that he didn't get to enjoy all of the spoils of winning the spring fling million because it truly does seem like a, an amazing experience, but certainly he got what he was there for and got to come back next morning and take a shot at hundred grand. So, uh, and I know we'll talk about that hundred K race in its own uh, part of the, the show, but just all the calls seem really good. Luke, uh, the racing was great. It didn't get sloppy uh, like, you know, sometimes they do. It wasn't just unbelievable, but easy for me to say it was damn good racing, real good racing. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because we just, you know, last week's episode was our, our recap of the 2022 million. From the outside looking in, I feel like the the packages were maybe a little bit more impressive a year ago across the board. I don't I don't necessarily yeah, have a, a, a way to pinpoint why that was. Um say it was a little bit cooler but the track was great a uh, million dollar night so I, I don't i don't know that there's necessarily any rhyme or reason to that but it did it was impressive but not just otherworldly and i felt like 2022 was otherworldly the way that the those racers finished yeah and you know uh, uh, i don't know exactly when it finished up the previous year but uh, you know if it finished up an hour to two hours earlier yeah the time of night now, may have played a role you're right now you're you, you know you you're taking grown man has been up all day past midnight and gets uh gets a little hard to stay focused so and grown women i'm sorry <laughs> all right so let's circle back to that semifinal round the semifinal pairing is what i think would be two of the most noted bottom bulb competitors in the country as you mentioned andy small in this instance was still on his super pro entry so he's letting go off the top brian Cerruti's letting go off the bottom but you certainly wouldn't know that from Saruti's reaction times up to that point. Brian Saruti put on a show. I mean, it was not happenstance that he staged up at three cars in the million off the bottom. He was ridiculous all day long on Friday. Uh, the two left within, I think, um, seven thousandths of a second, something like that. They both go dead on. Andy gets the stripe by seventh thou to advance to the Spring Fling Million final for the first time in, like I said earlier, his third uh, semifinal shot. So uh, not necessarily rooting for any, anyone that, uh, of those three. I, I like all those guys and I think they're all super gifted, but there was a part of me that was really happy to see Andy advance to the final, certainly, and then ultimately win just because, I don't know. I mean, there are people that look at this and say, if you just get to the split, that's a dream come true. But to knock on the door of the million a couple of times and, and not be able to bust it down, like, I think if he'd lost in the semis again, I'd almost feel sorry for him. You know what I mean? Like, that's hard to say. Sure. You get like 50 grand to lose in the semis. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you just know, like, forget the money aspect of it. Just the, I think we talked about this on the, on the previous episode, five years from now, nobody's going to remember who lost in the semis. You're going to remember who won. So to see Andy get that was cool. And then that leads us up to the final. So Coltrera makes his, his buy run. And by the way, Kyle Coltrera, like, obviously we've touched on his, greatness like he was our driver of the year a year ago got the potty big jed and that wasn't a that wasn't a wasn't a west coast potty how'd you do that earlier was that this yeah okay 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. Right, that was that was East Coast potty. About as far east as you can go, as a matter of fact. <laughs> About, almost as far from Las Vegas as you can, you can still be. I don't know continent. what the sign is for east. I don't maybe it's this. <laughs> but I'm a West Coaster, baby. Kyle Coltrera very nearly pulled off the feat that we saw Kevin Brannon accomplish a year ago. Kyle Coltrera flew into Vegas, borrowed a car that I don't believe he had ever sat in before. Driving Jeremy Hancock's car, the, and, and similar to KB, KB was here all week last year, but didn't drive the car that he won in until the morning of the million. Cal Cotura flew in the night before; like he wasn't even here until the morning of the million. Hobson, he drove Richard Duke's Chevy two on one entry. He drove Jeremy Hancock's dragster Go Dogs on the other entry. Coltrera, again, don't believe he had set in Hancock's car prior to the day, advances all the way to the final as one win light short of duplicating that incredible feat that we saw Kevin Brandon accomplish a year ago to the final. Because this was, this actually, it got a little bit blown out of proportion, but it is, because I heard stories like Andy dialed down 700s in the final. He didn't dial down 700s in the final, but hear this out. Andy Schmall had been dialed 591 perhaps every round or certainly the, the better part of the rounds. And in real time, like I didn't really know what Andy could go. He does a pretty good job of, of disguising strategies. Um, looking back at the run sheets, uh, it looks as though Andy was on a, certainly a low 589 in the semis and like a mid 589 the rounds prior, but I didn't necessarily know that at the time. We just know that Andy rolls into the water box for the final and just wipes that 591 off the dial board. That was down 300s to 588. Now, in his defense, it was the, the first time that he had gotten, that he ran a dragster all, all weekend, right? Or all day. So the thought process is like, okay, well, he's just getting honest, right? He'd been holding three all day. Except he was a little bit beyond honest. Andy Schmall sprayed to dead on in the final of the million to win. Now, again, he didn't just pick it up 300s. He was only going one above. And when I study the the run sheets, my impression, and I didn't talk to Andy about this, Big Jed, I, my thought is it looks like he's going real low 589. And so then you've got this decision, like, do you dial 89 and just hold it on the floor, knowing that you could be a few thou under? Do you dial up and try to kill that? I think the thought process was, I'm going to dial 88. And if it looks close, I'll spray just a little bit and try to get to mid dead on. I, I think that's probably the thought process. So it wasn't like this dramatic game plan, maybe, but it sure looks good. And and I think part of the thought process in this, and, and certainly in retrospect, I'll give Andy credit for this, I think is the perfect storm because not only is it a disciplined approach to get to dead on, but you're doing it in a way that you don't see a lot in the other lane and against the perfect opponent, because we know Kyle Tortera, super talented, super gifted, also super aggressive at the finish line is probably going to try to drive the finish line, even on a slower car. And as it ends up again, looking at the numbers, it looked like Andy Schmal picks his car up hmm, somewhere in the seven thousands to a hundredth range. Guess how far Kyle Tortera was behind in the final seven thousandths of a second it plays out perfectly and it looks really cool on paper because you got a guy that's dead on in a door car up like one and a half mile an hour from anything he'd run all day long. Yeah. Luke, uh, as you mentioned earlier in this, this breakdown ballsy, ballsy strategy. And then to, to go out there and put the 88 on the window at this point, 
you you have to be able to see that you know this thing is going to be tighter than i want it to be and i'm probably running the 89 that i think i can run so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it some mr frosty here and and pick it up whatever seven eight ten thou and knowing that that kyle can take that kind of number eight to twelve thou as he's rolling by you and you change the race so late by that same amount well there's nothing kyle can do but but hope at that point that hope his strategy paid off and uh, it worked out very very well for andy and just again really incredible just strategy and thought and then to go out there and put it in place uh, and make it work um uh unbelievable talent that this guy has that's that's mental talent as much as it is physical talent so that says a ton about andy small and what he's capable of and and before we we move to the next part of this i just again want to say brian saruti uh guy's incredible um he is easily one of the top 10 bottom bulbers in the country and it's because Brian can, Brian can do either. He was letting go. He was trans breaking here, the land he comes from in Ohio. That's commonplace, but he'll travel down South with us and swap feet and roll it deep and, and still win races and win big races. So guys ultra talented and certainly earned his spot there late in the race and really was, you know, again, not pulling against anyone, but I was. I was hoping Chiradu would uh, would get something, would keep it rolling, because as we know, we've talked about it quite a bit here on the podcast in years past. He's had he's had uh, a love hate relationship with Vegas, with you know winning a race out there and then his car being stolen and a long road and getting it recovered. Just what an incredible journey he's been on in the, the spring fling Vegas event. And to see him come back out and, and do what he did was very impressive. Kyle Cotrera, again, you know, I don't even know what else we can say about Kyle. Uh, as you said, got in a car he hasn't been in and, and did what he did in Hancock's car. Go Dogs, great to see that. That's a, that's a cool team there between Hancock and Cotrera. And, and of course, uh, to the victor goes the spoils. Andy, I, I sent Andy a message and uh, congratulated him and, just a you know a humble guy, just appreciative to be there, thankful to have the opportunity, and um, you know, ultra talented guy that is a threat to win anywhere he goes, and uh, glad to see him finally push the door completely open and get his spring playing million moment in the sun. Yeah, Andy Small has been deep in the million off the top. He's been deep in the million off the bottom. Now he wins the million off the top, and that. I just, I can't say enough again. You you mentioned it, that final round strategy, Big Jed. Like, that's a pretty impressive rabbit to pull out of the hat. Fourth round of Super Pro at your home track for a thousand bucks. It's another thing to do it in the freaking final round of the Spring Fling Million. So yeah, I to your point, just the the wherewithal, the the situational awareness to even attempt that. 
much less to execute it with precision. Um, I mean, I mean, and Andy would probably tell you, like, I didn't really execute it with precision. I was twenty on the tree, right? But it, 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 that actually probably played into making it work better too, right? And it, it, you could oversimplify this and and say, if you're in Andy's shoes in this instance, like, you just close your eyes, and the second you hear Caltrera rip the throttle, you clamp the nitrous, and you win, right? That looks really good on paper in the end. To think about it in with in in advance, yeah pretty pretty special stuff pretty special stuff yeah and i'll echo your thoughts on coltrera like i don't the narrative i don't know that the narrative changes that much if he wins this race but like we just sing that dude's praises like to the to the umph degree right and i don't think it changes much with a runner-up but what what he does is really really impressive what's your thought process because i mean we've talked about andy schmall and his um his talents, his resume, uh, that's been on the radar now for a long time. What does this do for his legacy? Well, Luke, uh, you know, it has to only solidify it. It doesn't, it doesn't make him any better racer or any more respected, I don't think, because Andy's earned that already with, with the tons and tons of wins that he's had, especially he's won top bulb races coming through the bottom bulb channel so i think andy had already um created his legacy and and had put it on a level that it couldn't come back down from but this definitely solidifies it you know it's uh if if there was anybody out there that had any question about andy and his talent and his ability i think this you know created a little bit of shut up juice and finally uh put that to bed but I, I could only imagine that would be a very, very small percentage of of the racing community that would could possibly feel that way. I mean, the guy's just, you know, he's known as the guy on the bottom um, out that way. He's, he's unbelievable. I would agree. I, I think there's like an element from the outside of even though it haven't been close twice, like I think there could be an element of like, oh, that's cute. It's a door car off the bottom. He got deep in the million. What a great story, right? Now to 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 replicate that feat for a third time and go the distance and win it. Like I just I think it's got to on some level change the outsider's perception of Andy and what he's capable of. And I think that's something he's a hundred percent earned. Yeah, and he certainly did it a different way than he has done it in the past. Um you know, there, there's always going to be somebody that says, well, the bottom bulbers are just racing each other for six rounds. And then round seven, all they got to do is get by a couple of guys. That's an uninformed opinion because they're right there. Yeah. Bad <laughs> uninformed. I'll tell you this much about the pro field here. And as you well know, at, at most of these events, um, as coming from someone that runs a door car with a delay box, if you gave me the option, I'd rather run the other box cars. That no, that no box field is nasty. And no that's obviously is. that's not what Andy came through in this particular event. That was Saruti this time around. He won the pro category. But uh, I, I believe Andy's two previous deep runs did start on the pro side. Uh, so that which is just an, another showcase to his immense um talent and the um versatility, I guess is the word that I'm looking for, right? to be able to to basically conquer this field from either side that's not something that that many racers past million dollar winners to anyone in the field that's that's not something that many could do 
I agree. Very few racers out there would would have been considered a threat on both sides of that. Andy was quite possible, possibly a threat to uh, have both entries advance into round seven because of his bottom bulb ability. So very few racers would have would have had that respect on both sides of the, the tree, but Andy most definitely did. Uh, let's talk crowd, Big Jed, because this rad event had some peeps. We had some peeps yeah, here did. in Las Vegas. We, we tried yeah. to guess at this, what was it, two weeks ago on the show. We estimated the largest 30K car count, which Thursday's race ended up being combined with Saturday's race due to this immense car count. It ended up being $100,000 to win. Your guess, Jed, 583 entrants. My guess, 714 entrants. The actual count came in in between, I guess a little bit closer to my guess, 671, which is by far the largest field here in Las Vegas for a Spring, spring Fling Million event. Surprised? You know, uh, when I made my pick and then I think immediately I, I, after I heard your numbers, I, I said, Luke, you know, fuel's in a little better shape and this this thing has got all borders open and whatever. And just it, it had the opportunity to be its best uh, this time around. And I, I think I immediately regretted my number. So, no, not surprised. Um Peter and the and the fling staff do an amazing job. They create so much excitement prior to the event, and um, you know the the numbers are a result of a lot of people's hard work, and not a surprise at all. In the big show itself, Big Jed, you predicted three thirty seven. I went big. I predicted three ninety nine. The actual count fell almost directly in the middle. This one fell your way by one entrant. 367 in the million itself. Jed, we talked about this a little bit um, off air, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have. With little exception over the course of now the last two years, basically every one of these mega events is seeing record turnouts. Why? Well, Luke, they're special. Um, you know, the, the events are just they're they're on a level of their own in our in our world um you know this you see people traveling from alabama to las vegas i mean you have this same race and you have the same race halfway there luke they don't go but as vegas is you know in its own right is just a special special place people want to go there and race it is it's west coast baby and you know, that's, that's exciting in itself. And so that's one reason for this one, but the mega events all around, you know, I just, uh, I can't explain it other than there's a lot, as I've said many times, there's a lot of successful people in the world that have disposable income and they want to raise special events because they can afford it. The pits are full of business owners and people that are independently wealthy for whatever reason. And, you know, I think that has led to all of these mega events doing so well. Now, am I trying to say that all of the 671 were business owners and independently wealthy? Absolutely not. But 
I think anytime you can create the kind of vibe that especially the spring fling has created around it, uh, you, you lend yourself to more people that have the disposable income to go do it. And, you know, these are successful people that want to win the best races. They want to go compete on the biggest stages and it fuels their fire. And I ain't trying to blow smoke up your skirt, Luke, but you did a lot of work around this event um, for, for this is bracket racing elite and, and your supporters. And then certainly for those of us who just tuned in and, and caught videos and saw posts and those things. And I mean, when I, when a guy that's as successful as you and, and many of the others that are out there racing are passionate about it, it lights your fire, man. I mean, I, I was so regretful for not going just after watching what you were doing and watching great pair after great pair compete with one another. And, you know, the live feed, when you sit and watch that, look, there's no telling how many, they all won't go, but there's no telling how many thousands of people said, I won't miss it next year. It ain't happening. So all these people that won't miss it next year, some of them are going. And most everybody that was there is going back. So it's just going to continue to build because uh, Peter and the staff made incredible decisions and, and really ran the event extremely well. It is an incredible event. As I've said before, it's, 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 for me, the biggest event of the year, just given the location, the prestige, the buildup that, that the fling staff puts around it, that's definitely an element to this specific event. It's interesting too, and, and you just hit on it to some extent, kind of forecasting for next year. There was almost 700 entrants here. And I could go through the pits and find people that I expected to be here that weren't. You know, it wasn't like everybody that's that came last year was here and then we just added 200 more. No, like there's turnover, you know. So we, we yeah. say this at, at, at our events each year, and I, and I assume everyone that promotes does, like, what if we just got everybody in the same place at the same time? You know what I mean? I mean, there could be a thousand entries here. But it's interesting to zoom out a little bit, you know, and, and just make this race a part of the, the bigger picture the cost of getting to events, the cost of competition has risen astronomically in the last five years, right? That's, that's, that's fair. Just diesel fuel alone, right? It, it's more expensive to get here than ever. The races aren't really any better. They're more lucrative, I guess, more lucrative because there's more entrance, but the, the race structure is not much different. Um, do you think that the, it's been pretty recent, obviously spurred by Kyle Riley and the SFG um, format to allow same car, same driver doubles in these events. Do you think that that plays a role? Oh, most definitely. Especially most definitely, when yes. you're talking about traveling the distance that a lot of, a lot of the racers are coming to Vegas, like knowing that you can have two shots. Do you think that's that big of a, a caveat? Yeah. I mean, you, there's no way you travel from Alabama to Las Vegas and not plan on taking two shots if you can take two shots and, and certainly Alabama I'm using it as the example but guys from Alabama don't go to Las Vegas and race and there was there were quite a few Alabama racers there so you know that that just speaks to the magnitude of this event and and how special it is to everyone but heck Luke I mean Kyle Cotrera speaking of ballsy strategy I mean the guy showed up the day of the million and from jumped Maine. in a car and and runner up from Elliott, Maine. Um, so, you know, people traveled so far and so wide. And 
Uh, I, I don't even know how many states were represented, but it, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable to watch and it was inspiring. And certainly um, that doesn't just happen. That's a, there's a lot of effort that's going on with the spring fling staff and certainly Peter and, and what he's leading the charge on. And they, uh, uh, they made an announcement on states, but I'm going to, I'm going to screw it up. It's either 31 or 37. I want to say it was 37 and four countries represented here in Vegas. I did hear four countries. Yeah. Cause yeah. Australia was that outlier. Uh, there was a guy there from Australia. So <laughs> again, guy came from Australia. Race. <laughs> I guess that he beat out Coltrera for the long distance award. huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think flipped by him. <laughs> All right, let me, let me throw one other, uh, um, theory at you and, and i actually i think i got a credit page on this i think she was the one that threw this out to us could there be more of a psychological aspect to this than any of us want to lead let, lead on like we went through depending on your part of the country anywhere from what three months to 12 months of solitude right of not leaving our house during the, the pandemic is there an element maybe even subconsciously of like effort like YOLO, baby. I, this is what I love to do. I don't really have, I may or may not have the means to do it, but this is a race I don't want to miss. Like I'm just, I'm going come hell or high water. Are there more of us saying that, doing that, following through on it, maybe without even realizing necessarily what we're doing or why? Do you think that that could be an element to this? Because the meteoric rise in, in destination races since that time uh, there is definitely a parallel without a doubt uh there's there's definitely some people that are uh, using that as part of the reasoning for making the trip i mean you don't you don't go to an event like this and even expect to cover your tab when you've driven 2000 plus miles you know you you're hoping for that but expecting it not so sure so there's people that are saying you know, I mean, I can sit here at the house and watch it and regret it like Big Jed, or I can make the trip and go have fun and see where it takes me. And a lot of people that got into those last, uh, you know, 18 to 20 entries made that pay off. So happy for them. And, you know, one, one of the signs when, when you have a race like this and you know people are spending a lot of money when they leave, what is their, what is their mood on social media? Or maybe even if you talk to them, what is their mood? Overwhelming, overwhelmingly happy. Yeah. I, I drove to Vegas. I took a week off of work. I'm going to roll back in in the middle of the night one night, got to get up and go to work the next day. And I spent 12 grand. Man, it was a blast. I can't, can't wait, wait to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So that just says a lot about the quality of the event. And, and when you can create that kind of vibe for racers, uh, you, you've done something pretty special. All right, our, our last version of our pick em, Big Jed, like I said, I'll give you the win on the Spring Fling Million Dollar Day entrance. I get the slight nod on the, uh, the biggest uh, non-million event. We made our, we took our swings at trying to pick a winner. We missed. I had a, I had a right driver, wrong day situation. My man, Matt Daddis won the first day. He got all the good juju out of the way before the million. Didn't have anything left. Your pick, Lucas Walker, didn't advance deep into the show. Obviously, neither of us picked Andy Schmall. We probably should have. It was a popular yeah. pick in our pick'em contest, Big Jet. We had over a thousand 
uh, participants in the This Is Bracket Racing Elite Pickup Contest. E- 11, Big Jed, 11 of them picked Andy Schmall. So obviously it went to tiebreaker, wow. final round reaction time. Shouts to Sean Carlson. Sean Carlson from Minnesota was the winner of our This Is Bracket Racing Elite Pick'em Contest. Not only was he one of the 11 that picked Andy Schmall to win the event, he got the closest to Andy's final round reaction time. Yeah, and then and good for Sean Carlson. Well done. And and he picked up, you know, a guy that that's where he's formerly uh, originally from. So picked a, pick an old Minnesotan. Minnesota. That, how you, about, Sean? We'll we'll get to the we'll get to the the left coast debate. They're really going to claim Andy? Can they do that? Hells yeah, they're going to claim him. Lives in Idaho, <laughs> bro. <laughs> you better believe it. I mean, Andy Small is. Oh, wait a minute, I messed it up. Andy Small, West Coast, bro. West Coast, bro. I don't even think Andy sports a hat as fancy as this one. Short of. Andy Schmall, no one, Big Jed, had a better spring fling million week than my man Dylan Haug. Dylan Haug, have yourself an event, son. Dylan began the weekend by winning the American Dragster shootout, got the win over G-Dub, Gary Williams, who, oh, by the way, has been to four of those shootout finals at the flings. G-Dub, wow. Turns it a couple thou red, Dylan Haug gets the car. That's how he opened the weekend. Then he closed the weekend, but went in 100 Gs, Big Jed. Pretty good weekend for the young man from Oregon. Yeah, Dylan, obviously off to a great start this year. Came in with some momentum and, and certainly just kept riding that. And, you know, obviously winning a dragster over G-Dub in a final, that's a big deal. And that, that makes your event. But when you wrap that sucker up with a 100K win that started – a couple of days ago and finished today uh that has to be so so special for dylan uh what a what a cool young man you know got to watch his winter circle interview from the dragster race just a, a humble young man happy to be there and then to get the win over another left coaster tough racer and don sefton um big big deal for dylan and um you know could could be a little overshadowed because, you know, the guy that won the day before won 400 grand, uh, at least on paper, but don't let that, uh, don't let that slip by and, and folks not recognize what Dylan did. He is a monster crowd, uh, like you said, 671 entries, um, with a buyback. So long, long race that took a couple of days to get done. And he come out on top in the end, major, major accomplishment right there yeah and let's not forget it's dylan's family that owned the car that kevin brandon drove to victory a year ago and oh by the way dylan was right there with them at was it six cars in the million last year late in the million dollar race last year so he's no stranger to success here but obviously nothing quite like this weekend because well not many people have done what dylan Howe did this past weekend the opening event uh the the what ended up being the lone 30 grander at the spring fling million as i mentioned was won by matt Dadis. matt got the win over uh, Western Colorado-based Colton Aragon. Your pro winners for the week, we talked about Brian Cerruti's performance in the million. Uh, he was bookended by Charlie Lockhart, winning day one in pro. Dennis Paz, West Coast legend, winning day uh, day number last in pro. I think the biggest story, and I, I mean, we've touched on it to this point, it, it got accentuated by the uh, by the ongoing 
um, war of words, the verbal sparring, the, uh, the, the social media sparring between Chris Whitfield and Ryan Gleghorn. Uh, the West won this one. There's there's no debating that. And West Coast showed out here at Spring Fling Million. Again, I think it's debatable whether or not they can claim Andy Schmall, although I think Andy would probably claim Boise at this point. Um, but they can certainly claim Dylan Haug. They can certainly claim Don Sefton. They can certainly claim Colton Aragon. Uh, that's a big a big week for the West Coast. Yeah, you know, you can you can say obviously Andy's from Minnesota and that's not really West Coast. But look, if if your primary residence is in the West Coast and for several years and you that's where you do all your racing, you're a West Coaster to me. So And let's say Minnesota's not East Coast either. No, it is definitely not <laughs> East Coast. But uh but West Coast won this battle and I I saw some of that between Whitfield and Gleghorn and um you know those guys going back and forth with one another. Uh Luke, I love it. I really do. I you know it can it can get a little far out there at times, um, but I think it creates excitement. It creates a a cool rivalry between the West and the East. You know, I'm not for uh, degrading comments and and just flat out saying either side sucks and you can't get it done. Uh, I'm I'm you know I certainly believe there is a uh, is more talent on my side of the country than there is on the other side of the country. But that's not, that's just simply because they get the opportunity out here. There's so many more racetracks and so much more opportunity for these guys to race on big stages. But I don't think there's a huge talent gap between the best out there and the best out here. Um, So it's all fun and games with Whitfield and Gleghorn. Those guys having a good time with it and I'm enjoying it, but uh, West Coast represented themselves extremely well, and and they should be proud to because that's a little extra pressure when when the world thinks you you're not capable, and for them to go out and do what they did, uh, they should be very proud of themselves. Those guys are having fun with this. I do agree that it's good for the sport. I also fear at times that it's to the, to the I don't know, outsider is the right word. Like, I feel like some of that stuff could easily be taken out of context. I think the majority of it is out of respect. I, I actually, I don't want to put words in Chris Whitfield's mouth. I think he would agree with everything that you just said. I just think there's a part of all of us is like, yeah, there's great racers wherever, right? But like, we don't suck. <laughs> and and yeah. Chris was, I think, um, a bit out of character in how vocal he was coming into the event. But my God, that dude backed it up. I mean, not only did he go rounds every day, the the caliber of runs that he was making throughout, there was no doubt, like, no one left this saying, ah, that left coaster can't hold his own. Like, he can race with anybody. We've known that for years. But to to put it out there and back it up the way that he did here, I I thought had a little bit of extra uh, juice to it. Yeah, I I think you're 100% spot on with that. Um, You know, it's one thing for you to say West coast is not as good as East coast or somebody to say that, but, but Whitfield's been picked that specifically like and pointedly. And you know, that, that can, that can tend to, to cause you to get frustrated to the point where it, it changes your results. But Chris doesn't seem to let that affect him whatsoever. And, and we know that about Chris. He's a, he's a pro. So uh, I thought uh, he and, and, a lot of those guys out there stepped up and represented very well. Should be proud of themselves. Without question. Before we turn the page and discuss a couple of 
prior events. Any other takeaways, wrap-ups, anything that we missed from Flink? Uh, Luke, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm a guy that um, has done quite a bit of announcing over the years. I thought the announcing crew did an amazing job. They were very entertaining. Nate Hershey, one of the best I've ever seen, if not the best. The guy's crazy good. Mike Eames on his swan song before he moves off to the Division Six director. Mike's incredible. His wit is so quick and so entertaining. Really enjoyed it. I loved the the backup guys getting in there and getting some time. Um, uh, uh, Gage, the intern, I thought he did a really good job. And then Emmanuel, uh, you know, not understanding the announcer and not understanding the language that he's speaking in, Luke, it can be so unbelievably frustrating to where I wouldn't want to listen anymore. I couldn't turn the guy off. And I can't wait to go out there myself and have him in the booth with me to where we can do that together as, as contrasting a styles as there, there is in announcing uh, Emmanuel and I. So uh, just the whole thing, I thought Chad and the Bang Shift crew did a fantastic job. The coverage was the best I've seen out there. Uh, just continues to get better. The, the in-car, or not in-car, but the on-track camera that, that Donovan, you know, Donovan was not a fan. You know, he waved it off, and that's cool. If Donovan don't want that in his face, I, I was going to. I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I wanted to ask, how was that from your vantage point watching? Was that? Yeah, I watched it live, and uh, and it not was, necessarily Donovan's deal, but just that that close up of you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, unbelievable. I freaking loved it, and I thought, what a great addition to the coverage. You know, this guy's right down there on the track and you can see these guys and they're and I, I'm I'm if you ever do that to me, you're going to see it, too. You know, the the little nervous twitches and the quirks and the little the little things that you do with your hands and your body. And and then when they go to stage, it's like all oh, that's gone. You know, you, you just as still and calm um, watching the guys let go and the whole thing just being you, you just felt like you were right there you felt like you were standing on the starting line watching it and it was freaking awesome cool i, I was hoping that that would add a lot to it i will say i and i i just i caught wind i haven't seen the footage from the the donovan williams incident but i will say round one of the million that dude got all up in my grill big jed and it was it was uh it was disconcerting Right. Like it was to the point I was, I'm just going through my normal routine. I'm probably 10 feet behind pre-stage. It's not like he's, I mean, he's in my personal space. Yes, but it's, it's not, it's far enough away that it shouldn't be a distraction, but there's a part I'm going through my routine and I'm like, I had to kind of collect myself. Like, I feel like I'm putting on a show for someone like just stop and do you <laughs> like, just, just give me a second here. You know what I mean? And I don't know if, 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 the folk, if my focus ramped up from that point, or if they were more mindful of not being in front of racers, or if they got enough negative feedback that it, it changed yeah. a little bit. Like, I never noticed the cameraman after that. And I've seen footage, so I know that they were there, you know, the rest of the way, but it wasn't quite as in your face as a racer. Uh oh, I lost you. Oh, I'm there sorry. We I'm there we go. I, I'm sure there were complaints, Luke. Uh, you know, that's not for everyone. And it was a, it was an intrusive 
of view at times. Uh, you know, he was he was up in your grill pretty good, and I, I watched him get in your grill as well. So um, I, I'd imagine that people appreciate the coverage, but just maybe not so in their face. And and I'm sure Peter and Chad had a discussion, addressed it, and and the coverage did slack off just a little bit from there in terms of the angle that the, the cameraman was taking, but I'm glad they didn't do away with it totally uh, because, uh, you know, keeping that for round after round was super cool. Yeah. I just love the way that they're always trying to add to that experience. Uh, I think that the, this event and others have really taken the live feed experience to the next level over the course of the last several years. And uh, I mean, yeah. I think we can all agree that that's really, really good for our sport. All right. An hour, close to an hour into dissecting everything Spring Fling Million. Let's roll back the clock one week, Big Jed, because we didn't get an opportunity to spend time together last week um, on the podcast. Let's talk NHRA Winter Nationals, Big Jed, Pomona, California, and there's only one place to start. Anthony friggin' Bertozzi, AB to the front. AB wins top Hello. dragster, but that wasn't enough, Big Jed. AB wins super. What what you what were you gonna say? I mean, you know, I I love Anthony Bertozzi. Okay, man crush, <laughs> man crush. Okay, I'm 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 top of the list, and and no doubt one of the best to ever do it. Anthony wasn't the story, bro. It wasn't for me, but I figured it was. Anthony for wasn't else. the story okay, for everybody okay. else. Let's we we need to talk about Anthony because that's a hell of an accomplishment. That ain't the story, bro. All right, forget about Anthony freaking Bertozzi. Let's talk about Jessica freaking Bogacki getting her first national event win, Big Jed. This young lady has all the pressure in the world on her, Luke. Her boys give her a hard time when it don't Boy, go well. Do. Boy, they do. Her husband is her coach, and he's he's the one of the best that's ever done it or ever will do it. And he he, he probably discusses strategy with her a lot. And when it don't go just right, I imagine you know you approach that delicately. But I still imagine you 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 know discuss that with her firmly. She's got so much pressure. The, the weight of the world is riding on Jess's shoulders. She's in freaking Pomona, California, racing her dragster that she don't get to sit in a whole lot. You know, she plays mom and does all those things. So it ain't like she just jumps in there and, and she's right back where she was a few days ago every time she sits in it. And then she goes out and puts up a box score that was impressive, very impressive. She drove the finish line very well. She did it all, and she got her first Super Comp win at the freaking Winter Nationals, bro. It's definitely That's, one of it's gnarly. It's freaking gnarly. <laughs> it was so rad, bro. So it was rad. <laughs> to your point, um, gosh, dog it. I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about. It. I'm so proud of her. And she drove so well because she made her car. I drove it in the million. It was amazing. Her car at Pomona, not great. Not great at all. And I, that's, my, that's, that's me. That, I'm trying to dial that thing. I didn't have her within 200s once on Sunday. She just rolled some more time out of the stop, so I'll be fine. I got it. And just drove her tail off. And it, what's so cool, you, you bring up it being Pomona, right? And that's one of... Easily has always been, it's one of the majors, right? It's Indy, Pomona, Gainesville, 
maybe add in whatever you want, right? They, they just have a little bit different feel to them. And when she advanced to her first national event final in Topeka a year ago, I tried to prepare her for what was coming, right? I'm like, soak all this in. It's awesome. Like when you back up from the burnout, you're going to have a TV camera on a boom. It's going to be down in there with you like it was in Spring Fling Million, right? Um, you know, the, the, the fans are going to be packed. It's just a different electricity than you've ever felt. Like just know that it's coming, lean into it, enjoy it, embrace it, right? And she comes back from that final at Topeka and she's like, eh, you know, I mean, you had that built up. It wasn't that big a deal. She comes back from the final round at Pomona. And one of the first things she told me, she gives me a hug. And she's like, I'm so glad that I went through that at Topeka because this was everything that you talked about, right? This was stands are yeah. packed. There is and just Pomona in general, like you pull yeah. through that gate before you make a left onto the racetrack. And it's just a different vibe, right? I can't, I, I've never staged for a final there. Right. So I can only imagine. Um, yeah. What she did was uh, it was pretty special stuff, man. It's cool. Amazing performance by Jess. So happy for her. So proud of her. And and I, I know how you feel about your amazing wife. And uh, I, I'm sure that was your favorite win in a long, long time, if not ever. I know that that you uh, took a lot of pride in seeing her get that done. I, I saw your post and saw how uh, how, you know, congratulatory you were and uh, just super happy for Jess and the boys. Uh, you know, I can I can only imagine at 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 their age what that's like to watch your mom win. I mean, Gary and Jack it, it might not have hit completely home with them, but I think Gary understands how serious this is. And to see your mom win the freaking Winter Nationals, dude, that had to be unbelievably awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Like selfishly, what a year for us. I hadn't won a race. I hadn't been in a final. My wife wins a national event. Gary's in his first two finals of the year. We are having a marquee season, Big Jet, over here. This, is, this has been cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it has been. So she's definitely the story from Pomona. Uh, again, no offense to to the one of the best ever in AB, and we're about to talk about that. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about what he accomplished. But Jess – Jess is the headline for sure. We always enjoy talking about Anthony Bertozzi, Big Jed. Fan yeah. favorite, Have friend to. of the show. Anthony Bertozzi didn't just win top drag strip Pomona, Big Jed. He didn't just win Superstock at Pomona, Big Jed. Anthony Bertozzi won them both. Got both of them. <laughs> both. Both of them. It's AB's second double on the NHRA tour. His first. How about this, Big Jed? He first doubled NHRA 10 years ago in Epping, New Hampshire, 3,000 miles, 10, 10 years and 3,000 miles from Pomona, California, where he got this one. Uh, shouts to, to Austin Williams. I couldn't have come up with that on my own. He did text me that. Um, you couldn't have a, a wider geographic discrepancy between AB's two doubles. He gets them both. Interesting thought. Pomona obviously doubles, double wins at a national event level are still a relative rarity they've, they've become much more commonplace let's say in the last decade than they ever were pre prior to that but specifically at the pomona facility doubles are very rare anthony bertozzi became just the third driver to double at pomona at any event at pomona world finals or winter nationals trivia time big jet ab is the third 
Who were the other two? So Luke, I, you know, I'm not good at this trivia stuff and let me, can I, can I give you a hint? Oh, by all means, you can give me a hint. One of the two is very gettable. The other one, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think like the, the other, the other man that doubled up at Pomona, I I'm not sure he has five national event wins total. He just got two in the same day at one of the most historic facilities on the tour. Well, I would, I would lean you know, Tony DeFrank, Jody Lang, somebody like that as one of them. Did I get either one of those right? You got the right last name. Oh, so Toby Lang did it. No, no, the other last name. Oh, okay. So Jimmy DeFrank. Jimmy DeFrank has doubled at Pomona. Yes. What did that, I say? Tony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Jimmy. Jimmy is, Jimmy's what I had in mind. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. So, yes, Tony, good call. Good I call. Tony. Jimmy DeFrank got the one. So, the other, I mean, you can make a couple of guesses. I don't I don't think you'll get it. Yeah, the other, I wouldn't really have a clue. I mean, we have I, discussed I gonna, this. We have discussed him on the show before. He is The Undertaker. The Undertaker. Wow. No in very, idea. In a very literal sense. Ed Olpin. Okay. Utah's oh, Ed Olpin Ed. has doubled, doubled in 2017, oh. I believe it was, at Pomona. Anthony Bertozzi joins that elite list, just three to ever double at the Pomona Fairgrounds. And I don't know, did you happen to catch Anthony's Winter Circle interview? I did not. Is his moment on it. the podium? It's just, I want to say every time AB gets on camera, it's special. But the camera just catches a glimpse of AB's life. Like you can't talk to that. He's the he might be the wittiest person in the staging lanes, and just so cool. <laughs> uh, the, the the best I put the the per, the friend of mine that turned me on to to watch this this winter circle interview and and rewatch it because I I heard it in real time, but we had other stuff going on. I wasn't paying much attention. The man that turned me on to this basically said, "I've never met that guy, but he just he just seems so cool." That's because he is. He is literally that cool. Now Anthony's. Yes. Pomona, the Pomona Fairgrounds has recently been dubbed the uh, In-N-Out Burger Fairplex or the In-N-Out Burger Raceway, whatever. The, 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 the signage went to In-N-Out Burger. And Anthony begins his acceptance speech by saying, listen, y'all, when we got to California, the first thing I did was go to In-N-Out and I got me a double-double. And I thought, you know what would be cool? If I could start the trip with a double-double and finish it with a double-double. And by no. God, here we are. And he's holding the two trophies. How perfect. What a great interview. Yeah, that is awesome. And he did just that. AB was, uh, was not stellar in top dragster and was honestly average in Superstock up until Sunday. Sunday, the cream rises, Big Jed. AB, no worse than 10 off the bottom the last three rounds of Superstock to get that elusive double and hold both trophies in Pomona. Knocked off Len Schneider in the Superstock final, defeated Andy Spiegel in the top dragster final. And I see a note here on the show notes, Big Jed. I just threw you a trivia time. Trivia time. <laughs> all right, all right. Got my own go. trivia time, bro. Going to see if we can stump the master here. So Anthony got his eighth national event win in top dragster. He broke a tie with someone that also had seven with him until this win. Who did he break the tie with, Luke? 
So did this make him the winningest driver in top It did. Oh, it wow. did make him. Huh. Okay. Okay. Seven national event wins in top drag street. That's a lot. That is a lot. And I'm not giving you any hints. Because you're, you're way smarter than me. You're way hmm. smarter than me. You'd pick up on it. I mean, if I gave you a hint and told you we've talked about the guy on this show, if I was to say that, then, you know, you would probably start thinking about who have we talked about in Top Dragster with um, Like multiple. on this show today? Like there's no <laughs> one that's won not, seven. Not today. Not there's today. There's no one that's won seven national events in Top Dragster that we haven't talked about in the last six years. There you go. So you're, you're okay, narrowing so that, it down. That really narrows it down. Got I, you a list of about 55 guys. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I'm just going to go with my first instinct. I don't, I'm not super confident in this, but let me, let me go with, let me roll tide, Big Jed. Is it Jeff Strickland? It is not Jeff Strickland. Is it Danny Nelson? It is Danny Nelson. Hey, all right. Pick number two, Willie Nelson. You've come through. <laughs> well done. I was gonna I was gonna tell you he's from Arkansas and you would have nailed that. So. Yeah, that that'd have been pretty but you got it on your own. Well How about done. that. All right, good. I like that. A little banter back and forth there. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, and I need to thank uh A dub Austin Williams for that uh, bit of trivia information as well. I wonder how many Strick's got. It's got I, I didn't think it was seven, but I bet it's five. Yeah, it's probably up there somewhere. All right. Marco Pervolaris got the super gas victory in Pomona, Big Jed. Um, wow. Actually, hold on. Before we even go there, back to Anthony. Two NHRA doubles. This is not a trivia time because I have no idea how to discern this information. How many times do you think that dude doubled in IHRA? Just if you had to guess. IHRA national events. Oh, um, 17. Yeah, I'd take the over. I have no idea what the number is. I would take the over. The dude, let's, how about this? <clears throat> to double at five events would be spectacular, right? The man doubled for five world championships. Like he won 10 world championships in five years. IHRA. So Incredible. Yeah, no telling how many, how many doubles Anthony had on the IHRA side. Um, more than two, well, perhaps more than 17. I don't know. Real quick, back to trivia time. Can you name who's third on the on the top dragster winner, winning list with five? And it's not the guy that you yeah, mentioned. So obviously, it's not Strick. Um, ooh, five national event wins. I give you, I'll give you a hint when you're ready if you don't get it. And you'll crush it when I give you this hint. Five in top dragsters. So, do you want me to just go like stream of thought the names that are entering my head that I'd, sure. I sure, sure. Right, so, love that. Um, Ross Larice crossed my mind. Aaron Stanfield crossed my mind. These uh, these aren't my guesses. I don't I don't think that either one of those is right. Okay, well, Steve Stiefer. Oh oh. So if we go out west, I once picked this guy to win a world championship. And what did he do? He won the damn world championship, Luke. Is it Paul Nero? It's Paul Nero. Paul Nero, baby. Okay. My dog, the guy that I forgot to shout out during some segment one time when I should have, <laughs> and I, I just totally failed. I just totally redeemed myself, Paul. I think he was the the face of Oregon. Wasn't that where we failed? Wasn't that the where we dropped the ball Oregon, on Paul Nero? Yes, yeah. face of Oregon. And, uh, 
and and four guys have four and i would bet strick is in that group yeah okay i don't I, know but i would bet i bet fuzz is too all right uh back to marco paravalaris marco wins super gas at pomona his sixth nhra national event wally and what was notable i think about this was he went full marco on him big jed um marco missed it in round one he was 12 (laughs) after that uh no worse than nine with an opponent beside him in freaking super gas amazing box score for marco Uh, i mean this guy is so talented and so focused and you know he probably knowing marco he probably beat himself up a little bit about that 12 and decided he wouldn't be 12 again you know he's just he's that good that talented and uh he had a he had a first ballot hall of famer in the lane opposite of him and stepped it up and and did exactly what he was supposed to do and made a killer lap so good for marco Oh, I'll a, give a little give let me give a little backstory because I got this straight from Peter Biondo. If you know Marco at all, you know Peter's relatively involved in his racing program. Marco's been a uh, or Peter's been a, a mentor. Marco's been a, a protege on some level, and they obviously have pretty regular communication. And Pete tells me um, this was direct from Pomona. He's like, man, it, it, he said I, I help him dial the car, but he doesn't he doesn't ever want any input on his delay. And he says he made the, the two time trials in Supercomp. And he said, I just, I text Layla. I'm like, well, make sure that he doesn't have any less than 96 in the box for first round. He had been, that would make his, his best light to that point, like 006, right? 96 in the box. And Layla texts back and says, I just looked and he's got 91 in it. And Pete's like, they've only had two time trials. Like, you got to make him add some. Like, that's, he set up 001. That's crazy, right? <laughs> Get it, you got it to make sure he doesn't stage with less than 96. And it's to, you know, to hear Pete tell the story, it's it's 10 minutes later and Layla texts back. I talked him into going up to 94, but he won't go a thousandth more. So he's set four first round of super comp on two time runs. And granted, this fits this this fits Pete's narrative perfectly, but he's and he's done telling me the story. Marco's tooth out red, first round of super comp. But that's the no. that's the mindset. Like that's the fearlessness that he approaches this with. And that's something that we see at the million dollar race. That's one thing that we see in big dollar bracket racing. It's not something that you see at a national event level where you had two runs yesterday. Like the average person is not rolling in set up double three or whatever he is, right? But that's part of what makes Marco so great. Muted again, buddy. Muted again. I'm really getting bad at this. Great story, and certainly uh, you know. One that's no surprise to me, knowing Marco like I do. He he's ultra confident in what he what strategy he takes to the starting line, and certainly it paid off very well for him. Um, great great win in Super Gas for him, getting getting a win over Val Torres, which I know is a, a guy he's looked up to probably all of his life. So um, that's you know makes it even that much more special. Kyle Rizzoli won the stock eliminator at Pomona, his 12th NHRA national event. It was 002 in the final to defeat former national champion Brian McClanahan. Chris Newman got the win in top sportsman over reigning national champion Lance Abbott. If that name sounds familiar, we just talked about Lance a couple of weeks ago. He was runner-up in Phoenix as well, so he's off to a great start in his title defense, if you will. And Big Ched, I thought I would bring this up. Competition eliminator was won by a man by the name of Andrew I'll say Moick. Sorry, Andrew. I'm not 100% sure how to how to pronounce your last name. His comp win 
How about this, Big Jed? We, we know how comp works, right? To be competitive, you've got to run at least a half a second under the index. My man staged up on an index of 696 right after he slammed the door <laughs> to stage up for the final, Big Jed. This is a low six-second slammer hitting a spot that does not exist on the bottom, winning no competition kidding. eliminator Pomona. Yeah, incredible performance by Andrew. I mean, a, a, you know, running an index where you're slamming doors to lock yourself in the car and dial or your index is 696, knowing that you got to go 640 or faster to, to be competitive. Uh, they've got some serious equipment there. That's, uh, that's impressive. Um, Chris Newman over Lance Abbott. Uh, Abbott, again, off to a great start, continuing to, to put up great results in top sportsmen and good for Chris Newman. But my, my man, Riz, man, Rizzoli is making killer freaking runs. You know, I mean, he's laying down in some tough moments. He's laying down some fantastic packages, driving the wheels off the car. 12th national event win. Uh, just really proud for Kyle Rizzoli. He's, a, he's one of the good guys I enjoy chatting with him and, uh, and happy to see him put up number 12 and do it in such grand fashion over Brian McClanahan, which obviously uh, you need no, need not sing his praises any more than we have. Um, he's, he's obviously had an amazing run the last uh, 12 to 18 months. So good job, Riz. Proud of you, bro. All right, Jed, let's close out the show. And and this is this has been fun. I forgot how much I enjoyed this. We've gone a couple of weeks without me really being involved much in the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. You're going to have to bring me up to speed on this. Normally, we make a, a big production out of our out of our uh, NCAA brackets, right? And this year, we, we tied the best characters in Sportsman Drag Racing. I believe I was making a time trial when you introduced this to our audience a couple of episodes ago. I, and I didn't get an opportunity to listen. So bring us up to speed. We we had we knew where we were at coming into the final four. Let's take it from there. Yeah, Luke, we we obviously did not do this at the level that we typically do it. Just schedules and a lot of stuff getting in the way and hampered our uh, our final four, our our NCAA bracket um, fun that we like to have here on the show every year. So for those of you that hate basketball, congratulations, but really Luke, we, we basically took Danny Bastianelli. I mean, by the way, you know, UConn, not, no, not not at all. No, Connecticut, baby. (laughs) Um, bad, bad. Oh, that team's freaking talented and good. Oh, they just run away with it. Fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Um, Love their coach, too. Love Danny Hurley, just the, the whole style that he approaches things with. Good stuff. So we took Danny Bastianelli, a guy that eats clam chowder for breakfast, you know, uh, instead of cereal. So we, we was like, okay, well, UConn, you know, he's he's going to be from up that way. So that made sense to put Bastianelli with UConn. Will Carroll, we put him with San Diego State uh, because Will Billy is just kind of out there, kind of kind of flamboyant, you know, just – you know, a guy that, show. That, yeah, just he, he, he garners attention just because of who he is and, and the way he goes about things. So, you know, that's San Diego state. Uh, I mean, how could you not tie Anthony Bertozzi to Miami? Um, you know, it's probably where he spends about half of his time or more, uh, down in the keys and down there on the boat and hanging out in the ocean and just, you know, doing it in grand style. So, 
you know, he's, he's gold chain in your face, uh, just living the life. That's Miami. And then the ultimate underdog, Hot Rod, Rodney Fincham. Uh, we tied him to Florida Atlantic, which was easily the underdog in the, the final four, the underest dog in the final four. And, you know, Hot Rod, he's, he's Florida Atlantic in a nutshell. He rolls in, you're like, okay, well, they're, they're not tall. They're not, you know, heavy. They're not super talented, like shooting guards. And, and they talk kind of but, funny. But holy crap, they just beat us by 31 points, you know, they're, and they've won 35 games or whatever they won this year, which is, I don't care what league you're in. That's hard to freaking do. So Florida Atlantic was the ultimate underdog. That's my boy, Hot Rod. And, you know, before you know it, he's, uh, he's standing in the winner circle with the, with the trophy. So we tied him to that. And certainly we know how it turned out if you're a basketball fan. Now, full transparency, we didn't pick these characters. They were nominated by you, the hashtag loyal listener. We did seed them. And I think we seeded them accordingly. Coming into the final four, Big Jed, just a, a, a little history. I don't know if you want to go through them one by one, but why were each of these guys nominated for the best character in our niche of the sport? Uh, you talking about the, the reason that was listed? or just uh, I mean, we could put it in our own words. A little brief history about them. Yeah. Or, Bastianelli, I mean, he is the he is the the legend um epitomized. Uh Bastianelli, he he he's a guy that's a tremendous um social media follow. In person, he's incredible. He's a he's a guy that can still go out and get it done and win. Um he is uh he's a, a history buff in our sport. He posts pictures, Luke, of 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 I was standing there on the starting line in 78, you know, when this, when this round was run, I was like, this guy seems like he should be 95 years old, but I would guess Danny's probably in his early seventies, uh, maybe mid seventies, but uh, he might not even be that old, but nonetheless, well, he don't act it. No, he does not act <laughs> guys in great shape and, uh, and just fun, fun guy to be around. So I easy to me, understand why he's one of the best characters. I love me some destroyer, Big Jed. And I'll tell you this much. My perception of Danny Bastianelli prior to meeting the Delaware Destroyer, perhaps it was rooted in some uh, truth or accuracy, but it, it, honestly, I don't think it could have been farther from it. My perception of Danny is wild child, troublemaker, loose cannon, right? And I do think that there was a time. Like I, I've heard some stories, right? But this is just a, a fun, loving, like, really no filter, but like, he ain't, th- he ain't there to piss nobody off, right? So anyway, I, let's go back in time. This is probably 15 years ago. I had raced with Danny a few times. I was kind of awestruck. I was very intimidated by him. I, I had never really said much to him. And I've got this, you know, picture in my head. This It's this gruff vocal guy. He's always going around with no t-shirt. He's in all the winter circle pictures. He's stirring up trouble, right? That's my impression of Danny Bastinelli. I had problems with my car at Bradenton. And I'm warming it up early one morning, like before anybody gets up to make sure that I got it right. And in the process of doing whatever it was that I was doing and working on, you know what I forgot to do, Big Jed? 
I forgot to put fuel in it. Oh, no. So as I'm driving around, warming it up, making sure everything's good, it leans out and dies. And I've got a belt drive fuel pump, and I am on the other side of the racetrack from where my trailer and my fuel is. And there is one person out at whatever time this was this morning. It's Danny Bastianelli. And I see him ride up, and I'm just cringing. I'm like, damn, I am never going to hear the end of this. This is going to be awful, right? And the destroyer rolls up on his golf cart, grins, and says, you ran out of gas, didn't you? I said, yes, sir, I did. He said, hop on. I'll take you back to your trailer. I won't even tell nobody about it. And that was the end of it. Fueled me up again. We've been tight ever since. That's the destroyer. That's, Great story. That's, that's, that's not that the perception. That's the, re- that's the reality. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and, and Will Carroll, Luke, um, as I as I just discussed when I said we tied him to San Diego State, you know, this guy's just – He's one of the most fun follows on social media. You never really know what he's going to do, what he's going to post, you know, what he's going to, what strategy he's going to use at the racetrack. I've seen him do do some crazy stuff, got really good equipment, just having fun. Seems to be enjoying life, just, you know, loving what he's doing. And um, he's he's even got a a tube chassis Nash Metropolitan. That's right. I mean, that's right. that deserves to be on the list. Just even if he's not a fun guy to be around, that deserves to put you on the list because that's a character right there. Will is the definition of a character. Will is Will beats to his own drum 100%. And I'll be honest, I've known Will for a long time. He was here this weekend. I don't always know how to take Will. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if, if he's serious. I don't know if Great he's point. joking. I mean, a good half the time. Just just a little bit of context. I think this might have been the first words that Will ever said to my wife, Jessica. We had Jack, our second child. He's probably mm, six months old. And it's, you know, everybody wants to come hold him. You know, how's it going? Things like that. Will Carroll rolls up into our pit area and says, new kid, huh? You like him? That's Will. I mean, that's that. That's it. Uh, sounds about like Will. <laughs> Great stuff. <laughs> awesome stuff. And of course, uh, Bertozzi. You know, we we've had our discussion about Bertozzi and and how cool a dude he is. And um, you know, he is he's Miami in a nutshell, except for the whole flashy thing. Bertozzi's not really flashy. He just he's just pretty. And he's, you know, he's got nice stuff and he's done well in life. So he could be viewed that way, but he is, he is not Miami in a nutshell per se. So although I said that I I need to, I need to retract that or rescind it, which, which one, which one I do rescind it or retract it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll just do both then. Um, But nonetheless, uh, Bertozzi, you know, fit Miami out of that group pretty well. So um, AB, I'll get I'll get a clearer picture this week. I actually get to drive for AB this weekend, Big Jed. What? Yeah, Little John can't make the race for whatever reason. I'm going to run uh, the Anthony Super Comp car that John normally drives, so I, I get a front oh, row seat to the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, since I've told a story about the others, I, I'll let you I'll let you tell your favorite Fincham story because I know you got some good ones. My favorite AB story, and we've told several on this show. I don't know that I've ever told this one, Anthony. We're back at Bradenton years and years ago, (laughs) and Anthony wins. I might have been the semifinals, quarterfinal, late in the race, and 
doesn't come back. Like I'm, I'm parked close to the finish line. There's one road through Bradenton. He, he never comes by. I wonder what's going on, right? Next thing I know, they're towing him back. And I'm standing at the road. And I go, as he's riding by, A.B., what happened? And he just grins like it was first round. He goes, man, that bitch blew up. That's it. He couldn't make the final. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like it didn't phase uh, him a bit. <laughs> no. It is what it is. Uh, that sounds like A.B. So, um, as you mentioned, lastly, Hot Rod Fincham. Florida Atlantic, the ultimate underdog, and and this the story that I have about Hot Rod is uh, just shows, you know, what what I mean by that. Obviously, one of the most talented racers in in what we do every day or every weekend. But he rolled in. I don't know. This was probably fifteen years ago, Luke. Um, maybe even twenty in Montgomery at a at a five grand foot break race, which was you know it's a big deal today, but it was a huge deal back then. So, uh, hot rod rolls in with his Malibu wagon that he's racing and, and he, he pulled it down there from Northeast Tennessee with another Malibu wagon that he was racing. Uh, he towed it down there with one and just, you know, race both of them. Like this thing's on a tow dolly, like. I mean, he's pulled a Malibu wagon in from Northeast Tennessee to Montgomery, Alabama on a tow dolly. And, and he's, he's fixing to unhook this thing and run the both of them. So very impressive, but I, I'm fortunate enough at the time I was pretty competitive in the foot brake world. And, and I'm down to like, I don't know, six cars, seven cars, something. And, and I roll up there, do my burnout. When I come out of the burnout, I, I got no no brake pedal. I mean, I got it. It's just a little bit, but it's not the kind of brake pedal that I should have. So I'm, I'm in full panic mode and I'm like, Oh boy, now how am I going to get up here and at least stage and give myself a chance? Cause when I mash the pedal, it just goes to the floor and the car will sit there about a second and then roll. So I'm like, okay. So think this through. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I just, I'm, I drop it in gear put it in neutral, drop it in gear, put it in neutral. And I get this sucker staged and put it in neutral when I get it staged with fear that it could roll back. Anything could happen. My, I just hope my opponent goes red. My opponent goes red and I get to win. So I roll back up to my pit. I obviously ease it down the racetrack, roll back up to my pit. And, um, you know, uh, Fensum's one of the first ones there. Dude, what, what's, what's going on? He said, I saw you over there working the shifter and getting this thing staged. And he said, what, what happened? I'm like, ain't got no brakes. He's like, oh, crap. What are you going to do? I'm like, but I just drive them. I don't fix them. I mean, I don't, I don't have a clue what to do. He's like, no problem. Let's get this thing jacked up. So we jack it up. He dives under it. He said, okay, hit the brake. Up, up, oh, got you. Here's the problem. Right rear wheel had the the flare up against the, the fitting was cracked and it was letting fluid run by. And he said, well, I don't have a flare tool. He said, I don't, I don't know. And they're going to be calling you here in just a few minutes. He said, I can fix it. I said, well, okay, I'm in. So this is in the Nova, by the way, and not long after I'd gotten it. So he jumps under there and he says, somebody get me some duct tape, a pair of ice grips, and a, and a hammer, a flat face hammer. And I'm like, 
he just said, I ain't got no brakes and he can fix it. And he says his list is duct tape, bias grips and a flat face hammer. So I'm oh, like, God, whatever. So they bring it all over there and throw it under the car. Fincham's in there working feverishly and just, you know, tap, 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 tap. And I'm like, oh, crap, this dude, you know, my rear end was, this thing's clean, you know, and <laughs> the rear was all painted up. I'm like, what is he tapping on? So I look under there and he's got a, he's got a rag laying on the rear end and he's got this fuel line, this uh, brake line and he's folding it and tap, 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 tap. And then he'll fold it back, tap, tap, tap. And he's getting it shut completely off. And then he takes those vice grips and he, he clamps it down just as tight as he can. So there's no, no fluid getting to the crack any longer. And like, okay, so now we got vice grips hanging on my, my brake line. And, you know, now what are you going to do? He said, that's where the duct tape comes in. Safety first. And he starts wrapping that thing around the rear end house. And he does it about six times. And he got this thing wrapped up. <laughs> and I'm like, bro. I mean, is this going to be safe? He said, oh, yeah. He said, you won't even know it unless you stab the brakes. He said, if you stab the brakes, you're going to know it. Ain't no telling what it's going to do. I'm like, oh, God. So now I got to go down there and use my strategy and try not to stab the brakes. It turns out it all worked out great. Uh, he, he, he allowed me to, to continue on in the race. I, I don't think I won that day, but... Nonetheless, it was it was an opportunity for me to continue racing, and it was all thanks to a guy I barely knew at the time, but got to know pretty well over the years, and just says a lot about who he is. He just jumped right in there and went to work. Fast and Fincham. As it plays out, now we can see in retrospect, Rodney Fincham put up a heck of a fight, probably deserved to win that semifinal matchup opposite yeah. Will Carroll, but Carroll gets the nod. Meanwhile, Danny Bastianelli is dominant. Throughout the tournament, throughout the final four, he has little trouble with Anthony Bertozzi in the semifinals. He runs away from Will Carroll in the final. And by virtue of UConn's national championship, we can now crown Mr. Danny Bastianelli, the Delaware Destroyer, the official best character in sportsman drag racing. Big Jed, I know that's a little bit random, but I have no issue. I take, I do not take exception with the yeah. result. Bidding champion, his... His home area team got it done. He is easily one of the, the best characters in racing uh, and has been for decades. This is not just something new to Danny. So a guy that deserved to be there, a true blue blood in Yukon getting the win, a true blue blood best character in Danny Bastianelli getting the win. It all makes sense, Luke. Was it on this show or was it one of the the – legends interviews or something i've done a zoom call with danny and it was hilarious i think it was an episode here of the podcast we'll have to, i think it was we'll get producer mark to pull that up and, and link it maybe in the show notes so you can revisit that i my recollection of it is it was it was hard to follow because danny was on the chip right but there was some gems in there there's some good stuff it'd be worth revisiting yeah no doubt about it um definitely a, a fitting champion and a, a fun interview to watch uh, i remember that one i don't remember it super well so it got me wanting to go back and see it as well um and again honorable mentions for uh for the the uh, selections that were voted on uh ryan gleghorn jake hodge loose change and of course the ever popular rob Cropfeld. uh just a, a fun group of guys and that first three you know, I've announced a lot of races with those guys, so that's pretty cool too. So it must be an announcer thing. They 
just become a little more popular because you got a hot mic in your hand. Now, I think I think the takeaway from this is that we need Rob Kropfeld on the mic. The later in the night, the better. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. So, guys, that wraps us up. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long show, but it was our first one back in a couple of weeks. I so hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we certainly uh, had a great time talking to you about the Spring Fling Million and the Winter Nationals in Pomona. Good stuff. Um, if you got something that you want to talk about, a lot of you are chiming in. Alan Neff, yes, this hat is that big. Uh, loose change. I see you uh, talking about Danny Bastianelli quite a bit. I know he means a lot to you. So Neff called that. I just realized in. it, Jed. You've got that over the headphone. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really big hat. Um, uh, and he he said, is it a big hat or a small head? It's a little of both. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, appreciate y'all watching. And if you got comments that you want to leave about the show or any any part of the show or anything that we didn't say that we should have said, you can do that right there at Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Great place for you to go leave your comments. Luke, I did notice a couple of shouts that you you typed out here in the in the show notes we'll close this thing out big jed shouts to mr frosty been a long time since i've heard that term mr frosty yeah. that's a good one shouts to car owner jeremy hancock go dogs shouts to flat bills i can't do it quite like you do West yeah, coast, baby. West yeah. Coast, baby. it's gotta be yolo cool. shouts shouts to yolo yolo shouts to the double double <laughs> AV, in and out Burger. Shouts to Will Carroll. Do you like him? Shouts to, once again, Anthony Bertozzi. That bitch blew up. YOLO, bitches! <laughs> Great stuff. You're, you're going to give yourself a cramp if you don't be careful. <laughs> Luke, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you on a, a great spring fling million yourself uh, in contention literally every day. A uh, couple of things go your way easily talking about one of the most amazing performances we've ever seen represented the sportsman drag racing podcast well and of course all you great sponsors congratulations to you and um guys if you want to uh, to tweet at us luke and i are both very active on the twitter he is at luke bogaki b-o-g-a-c-k-i i am at jp11x tweet us early and often we can't wait to hear from you and we also can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more West Coast Sportsman Bracket Racing, baby. See you guys. Knee-high socks. Show, show <laughs> me the knee-high socks. You got them on. You got to have them on. No, I don't have them. And I can't wait to get this stupid hat off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Somebody uh, cut this show off. <laughs> I think I got it off. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect. 
led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.